Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. Common problem for WWE superstars. Like, they never know how to react to the lights going off. Like, Undertaker made a career out of that. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Why did no one who feuded with The Undertaker over all these years just bring a flashlight down to the room? <laughs> You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Can you imagine that, like, <laughs> shielding his eyes, like, hissing as he runs away or something? <laughs> like, some goth kid. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another exciting edition of the Super Bowl. Welcome to our pro wrestling podcast. Should we just keep that in? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's down and dirty this week, folks. Oh, shit, we're rolling with that? Oh, Jesus. Let's just roll with it. Fuck it. Hey, everybody. Hey, we're just doing it on take one this week, because fuck it, that's why. Alright, so are we just including straight from there, or should we go straight to uh, even before that, where we fucked up the intro? I think even before that, where we fucked up the intro. Ooh, alright, that's edgy. Yeah. Okay. We are are the edgy pro wrestling podcast. We're really pulling back the curtain, letting you see what's going on behind the scenes. Because we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed. No, no, we're not. We're very easy. We're we're so easy. We're we're as easy as Ellsworth. You could treat us like absolute fucking dirt, <laughs> but we will come back and we will be See, there for you to help was, you win the title. I was looking for a transition there and I could not find it. <laughs> and there it is. It's you know, James and Ellsworth there. is the answer to everything. You know, it's it's perfect fucking hilarious timing too, right? Because like Big Cass is exiting the company and he is Carmella's ex. And yes. Ellsworth is coming back in as her uh, and I know, manager too. and subservient. Mm-hmm. I think Jericho asked Ellsworth in his – after Ellsworth was released, I think Jericho asked in his podcast, he was like, hey, any friction with, like, big cast because, you know, you're hanging out with Carmella and that's his girlfriend and stuff like that. And Ellsworth said, like, oh, no, we're all he, – he was real cool to me and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. But yeah. now – I don't know. Cast is out of the picture. Cass is out of the picture. And I'm pretty sure Ellsworth, I think Ellsworth just has like a long-term girlfriend. I don't think he ever put a ring on it. I mean, I, I'm i kind of surprised, right? Like, with a face like that, you'd think that if anybody's there, it's like, all right, you got to put the ring right now. I got to buckle you down, make sure you don't leave. But I don't know. You know what? I mean, that's that's kind of maybe not being fair, right? Because he seems yeah. to have a really great personality. He seems like a really oh, fun seems, guy. Like, yeah. He's the kind of guy that uh, you could just grab a beer with, right? That kind of guy. And he's the kind of guy that you could, like, turn into your manslave like Carmella's done. Yeah. Which is fucking G. Like, I'm mad that, like, like all right, I was really bad at the execution of this, but mm-hmm. I loved the idea of it. Like, are you talking about in this match, like, what he did? Yeah. Or? yeah okay, I, so let's go... Uh, mm-hmm. Just a quick recap. Uh, Ellsworth showed up dressed up as Asuka mm-hmm. and completely distracted her. Like, this was over the top. Yeah, like, this was way too much. This this was worse than, like, she was more distracted than any time anyone's, like, 
entrance music was played, right? And she even did it twice because she was super distracted. Carmella tries to roll her up. Yeah. She kicks out of that and then she goes right back to being distracted. Like, what the fuck? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So I bad. actually would have... I guess... I guess they didn't want to do anything where, um, I guess people were like, I guess like he attacked Asuka, right? Even though he's dressed up as Asuka, they didn't want the guy on girl action. You know what would have been way fucking smarter? Mm. Is like, all right, you should have somebody come out dressed as Asuka and then having, instead of her just being like, what the fuck? Maybe have her go after the person dressed as Asuka and be like, who are you? What the hell's going on? And she's like or chasing after kick. him. And then yeah. eventually, like, maybe she catches up to him, but it's like too late. She's too far out of the ring and she gets counted out. There you go. Well, I mean, we're just the distraction her... of. Because the then distraction it's like of... a more Sorry. appropriate type of distraction. And then also, then she doesn't have to just get kicked once by Carmella and then get pinned. Because now, Asuka's never been pinned before. Now she's been pinned. True, and she was all... only submitted at Mania, right? Yeah. Well, I'm only submitted. Jesus. Well, come on. I mean, it doesn't mean anything anymore now, so. It does, because now, you know what? If she hadn't been submitted by Charlotte, I can bet you that she wouldn't have been pinned by Carmella here. They would have been smart enough not to do that. Maybe. Maybe. But even even just have Ellsworth show up as Asuka, have her kick him, have the mask fly off so that Mm -hmm. you get the pop of Ellsworth. Yeah, actually, uh, that would have been a way get better spot. Yeah, you're right. That would have been a better like, reveal. Mm-hmm. And then, as she's distracted, have Carmella do the roll-up? I mean, she's going to get pinned, right? So, Yeah, and, you know what? Actually, yeah, too. Like, If there's going to be a roll-up, then have it be something like that. Like a roll-up and her legs are on the ropes. ropes. Yeah. Like, you know, leverage, pin, all that shit. Have her, you know, the ref didn't see and she get hit by an object, too. Like, I feel like they're, if they were going to screw with this, they'd need to be way more screwing. Yeah. And this was a pretty well booked show. Like this was, this mm-hmm. that was the low point I would say. Yeah, that was one of the lower points of the show because I mean there was definitely a couple other little fuck ups from time, like some of the other execution things too. Like remember, like when so Alexa finally wins the money the bank, but like yeah, it took fucking forever because Becky's yeah. just up there and be like, all right. I don't know how much longer I could stall. <laughs> well, I was thinking of the ending of the Ronda and Nia Jax match. I thought that was very well booked. Yeah, I, you know what? I think that Alexa should have done a little bit better with selling how she was hitting people with that briefcase because it didn't look that good. No, and it was also just like kind of overdone. Like she was really attacking Nia and the ref had to be like, all right, come on. Are you cashing in the briefcase or just attacking her? With it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, what's going on, bitch? <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was, you know, actually, just that match alone, before Alexa even came in, Ronda Rousey is really, really good. Yeah. And like, and they're do, they're booking her very well. Like, just have her do these pay-per-views or the specials, right? Mm-hmm. And then have her in the meantime. I don't care if they practice that match a thousand times. Like, that's what makes Rousey look good. So stick with that. And then... I, I don't I don't care if they practice every fucking match they put on. If you put on yeah. good matches, you put on good matches. Yeah. And then now they're suspending her, right? So that gives her time to prepare for the next one. Great. Yeah, That's actually great booking. I do have to commend them. You know what? Cuz like going into this whole thing, 
it definitely seemed like they were just about to do some really stupid shit with Ronda. But they've really pulled it together with between... How, well, you know what? I got to say, at least at the pay-per-view, that was on Ronda. She did well for herself because she did very well in that match with Nia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it's not like Nia can carry her. No, exactly. Like, Nia's not at that level to be able to just, oh, yeah, like Nia can carry somebody to a good match. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following it up on Monday with being like, you know, like she really was, it felt like a female Stone Cold where she was mm-hmm. just like, I don't give a fuck who you are if you're in my way. I'm going to kick your ass, even if you're the general manager and even if that means consequences. And I know I'm going to be like the repeating parrot here because Mm -hmm. I've heard a whole bunch of other podcasts say it. The only thing I want to change about Rhonda is her smiling when she comes out. Like, it's my only thing is like what was great about her in the UFC is coming out with that badass look on her face where she was focused and she was going to kill someone. Mm -hmm. So that. Literally is the only tweak I would change right now. Yeah. Yeah. That would be... Well, I guess they could do that. I'm I'm wondering what... Because I feel like, in a weird way, they're doing it on purpose. And I think it's from the idea that, like, part of Ronda Rousey's character, right, is that she is somebody who was a UFC fighter, but then she's also somebody who's grown up being a WWE and pro wrestling fan. So that so, she's living out the fan's dream of... Exactly. Like, she's coming mm-hmm. in and she's like, I'm finally living out my fantasy of being a pro wrestler. So I'm so excited to do it. And, you know, maybe maybe that's one of those things, too, that, like, in character and in real life, like, maybe it can kind of taper off. Like, maybe it's like, all right, we had a little bit of that at first. You're very excited that you're a wrestler. Okay. Now let's go do some wrestling. hmm So, yeah. Maybe that'd be good to transition that out. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, crap, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say, but the other thing that she's doing really, really well, though, is like her level of intensity. Oh, yeah. Really, I think like, what's she, been helping to sell her matches and stuff like that. She's she's killing people. Like, like she, yeah, she's really treating it like a fight. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just, I'm trying to fight you as intensely as possible without really hurting you. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly he, what you're supposed to be doing, right? And, like, even her other, even not in the match, like, her attacking Kurt the mm-hmm. other night. Like, that looked great. It looked like a pissed-off person. And, like, we've all seen those fights where the, the person that's trying to break up the fight gets gets involved, basically. Mm-hmm. Because the people are so into the fight that they, they don't think. And they just go, oh, someone else is, is attacking me? I'm going after them. <laughs> exactly. It's just because at, at that point, you're, like, reacting on instinct. Yeah. So yeah, I I dig it. I think it makes sense. This is this is pretty smart. It's 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 a little bit of an interesting gamble to go putting the belt right back on Bliss again, since like she's just had it and she had it for so long. Um, but I think that was like their only way to get out of that Rousey match. But like, yeah, that, when I saw Bliss come down to catch it, and I was like, oh, that's good. But yeah, as far as like what they've done for Rousey, they've definitely done well by her. And it definitely mm-hmm. seems like the plan, obviously, is that once she comes back, then she's probably going to be the one that will take the belt, whether it be from Naya or from Alexa. Um, although at this point, with the amount of tension they were trying to build specifically between those two, and the fact that they switched the belt at all so quickly, I figured that they would build to her taking it off Alexa. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that'll be the SummerSlam match. Like, you have Alexa and Naya at Extreme Rules here, and then you have Ronda back from her 30-day suspension. Go after the belt at SummerSlam, and then just 
kill Alexa Bliss. <laughs> yeah. I like the sound of it. Especially, actually, you know what? To combine two of their gimmicks, because uh, Ronda Rousey has the arm bar, right? And Alexa Bliss can do that thing where she can, like, make her arm look all fucked up. Oh, yeah. So there you go. You can have her get the arm bar on her, like, snap her arm, and then Alexa Bliss is like, ah, fuck! My arm is all broken. And now she's lost the title. Like, that'd be a good visual. Like, Ronda Rousey just breaks Alexa Bliss's arm. You saying armbar, though, just made me think of uh, Eric Bischoff's podcast just talked about Chris Jericho, and they brought up the WCW segment of mm-hmm. him listing all the holds he knows, <laughs> and how every other one is armbar. Armbar. And then Chris Jericho, the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, will challenge Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship in an armbar versus armbar match. And he'll count the Raw Women's Championship along with his other heavyweight championships. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many time heavyweight champion is he? Like six? Heavyweight, not that much. Maybe four or five? Maybe. Let me, let me look that up while we Because uh, he does I like that he's calling himself a ten time intercontinental champion. Yeah. That he combines the WWE and inter uh, IWGP. Well, because that he's like a nine time Intercontinental. Yeah, he's nine time in WWE, one in IWGP. Uh, he won the, the undisputed WF, WWF championship once. Mm-hmm. He won the world heavyweight championship three times. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the WCW slash world champion two times. Huh. Um. Yes. Oh, you were right. So altogether six times. WWE slash heavyweight champion. Wow, I just forgot about a lot of those. Yeah, well, it was probably one of those occasions where, like, one of them actually had some decent length to it, and then the other ones just popped in really quick. Like, the only reason that I think probably most people remember that John Cena has 16 world title reigns is because he's... Oh, wait, is it 16 or is it 17 now? He tied Flair? Yeah, Cena is tied with Flair. He has not surpassed him yet. So he's 16. And it's only because, mm. like, he's tied with Flair. Like, I doubt almost anybody could name all 16 of John Cena's WWE title reigns. Yeah. Like, that'd be... You know what? If somebody could, I would be impressed and then also make fun of them. Because, like, how the fuck are... You, you're this much of a John Cena fan? Oh, I think there's just some people that, like, remember all that stuff super well, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Just, like, a Rain Man-level autist. Yeah. Where yeah, you just you remember every single match. We well, like Dave Meltzer, right? Like he probably just remembers all this shit because he just he watches so much wrestling mm-hmm. and knows so much about it that he just yeah. It's like, funny. He, he's very humble when he talks, though. If you ever listen to Dave, like mm-hmm. he's just like oh, I don't know about this, and then he'll just pull some random fact and be like, yeah, but like remember when so and so drew this much in this town? And I'm like, shit, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, you know, he'd be an amazing fucking brain to have. Like, someday, if, if we have, like, the Futurama-level technology where we've got, like, the floating brains and shit, and then you hmm. can just, like, access people's information, that'd be great. To just have, like, the wrestling encyclopedia knowledge of Dave Meltzer. Yeah. You just plug into that and just get any, like, answer to wrestling stuff. I mean, maybe not everything, but, like, you know, quite a lot compared to any yeah. other person, I think. 
Yeah, and I, that's what I like about Dave. He never says that he knows everything. He's just like, I've just watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it, I feel like a lot of the criticisms that I hear, and I guess it's not that many, but the, most of the ones that I feel like I hear about Dave or the Star System or the Wrestling Observer Newsletter is more, honestly, uh, criticisms at like his fans or some of the people who are a little bit too obsessed with it, like some of the, you know, like the, I, the dark side of the internet wrestling community, as it were. Oh, yeah. Not Dave himself. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, the things that I usually have, like, read him say or heard him say, I, like, I agree with him a lot of the time. I think he's the pretty smart and interesting guy and also, like you said, very humble, giving his position. He He's definitely a good bridge between the old and the new because mm-hmm. he grew up in the era that, like, Jim Cornette and stuff love, and he loves that kind of wrestling, but he also sees the merit in this new kind. And he actually went on, like, Jim Cornette's podcast and, like, had a debate with him about the current day wrestling. And Jim actually gave in and, like, admitted to some of the strengths of, like, today's wrestling. But he was still like, no, I enjoy my stuff more. Which is fair. Like, yeah, yeah, like your stuff. But don't shit on the new stuff. (laughs) Of course, everybody's going to have their fucking cup of tea. Which, speaking of which, my most favorite cup of tea is back, Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. Lucha Underground is back. We uh, we kind of forgot about this for a little bit. <laughs> Season four has begun, baby. And there's yes. oh my gosh! All right, so if you so remember, catch me up because uh, I'm buying a house, so yeah, <laughs> I just don't have free don't time. Have, don't have time for Lucha Underground. <laughs> so if if you remember from the end of season three, yes. Dario Cueto got gunned down by some mysterious guy. Right. Yes. Okay. So we Coming open up to me. with the fact that the temple is now. In a different location, uh, because oh. the murder that happened there, like, you know, too much of the FBI investigations going on, they can't now, hold the fight ring there anymore. Real quick, behind the scenes, is it actually a different place, or do they just change up the set? I think they just change up the set. Like, it's, okay. it's not different. It's just for storyline reasons. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so they go to a different place, which is now called, like, the Ice Box or something like that. It's, like, this cold place. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> but, like, they still have the... Like, the ring goes there, and Lucha Underground is there, but it's they reveal more that the idea is it's still all just a cover, and that they're, you know, doing this more, like, this Aztec god plot thing going on with this mysterious organization. Okay. And so, they're, the people that are talking is the guy who killed Dario Cueto, and then the guy who ordered the hit on him, who we learn is Antonio Cueto, Dario's father. Oh my god. Who is played by the same guy. As Dario Cueto. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep. In like a really hilariously obvious, just like, like, you know, he's got his white hair wig. He's got like one white ki- like eye contact. And he, <laughs> he talks in this really like crazy gruff voice. Because, you know, Dario Cueto is normally like, oh, yes, like I love violence. And now he's like, oh, yes, I love violence. Like, <laughs> like, like Batman talking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Bruce Wayne versus Batman. So, and so he's standing over a grave with, uh, or the coffin with Dario's body in it. But like, you know, anybody with eyes, you can tell it's like the same guy. So at some point in the season, I assume we're going to get the, the whole reveal that like, oh, Dario faked his own death. Yeah. You know, plot twist. But, um, (laughs) and then he even like, so it's, it's in the priest that like, it's in the, it's in the promos, but then it's also in like when he comes out, like no one Dario would come out and address the crowd. Mm -hmm. 
Antonio Cueto comes out and addresses the crowd and stuff like that for matches. Like, it's even that level. <laughs> and he does the voice and everything. <laughs> like, it's so fucking hilarious. So, we got that, and he comes out in the first fucking episode. We have Aztec Warfare to kick off the season. Oh my god, the first? Wow. To kick it off. So, Pentagon Dark is uh, putting his title on the line. We got all sorts of new faces coming in. Uh, we've got, obviously, a lot of uh, people who are not there, like Prince Puma's not there anymore. Mysterio's not there this season, I don't think. No, um, I don't think so. Matanza was not in this, but Matanza was in the second episode, which I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, basically, he defends against pretty much everybody else. Like, Sexy Star also was obviously not there uh, due to her kind of, you know, fucking... Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that affected her Lucha Underground status. Okay. It, well, I think this. I think this whole season was filmed, like, after a lot of mm. that happened, if I remember correctly. From the timeline. Um, but yeah, anyway. So he defends, and he actually ended up being the first person to ever successfully retain his title in Aztec Warfare as Pentagon actually comes out the winner. So other people that looked pretty good in this and other storylines that look like they're coming out of this. Um, Son of Havoc got quite a lot of eliminations and had there was like a lot of storyline for a little while of him and Pentagon going back and forth and then somebody else would come into the match and interrupt them. Mm-hmm. And, but then, yeah, they get rid of them, and then it would go back to those two. So there was a lot of that, like this. I think maybe Son of Havoc might get a big push later in this season, which I'm going to be pretty excited about. Um, but, like, Neil Muertos was in there, and him and Phoenix looked like they're kind of reliving their rivalry. King Cuerno came back. So he's in there now. And he, oh, nice. At the end of last season, he ended up stealing the gauntlet. And then we find out in this season in the beginning here, there was a segment where Katrina goes to uh, his like trophy room and goes to like take the gauntlet, but then find out that the gauntlet's actually not there. And then he's like, what, you <gasps> think I was going to be stupid enough to put this out on display? And yeah. she's like, where is it? Because she somehow like needs us to like get her life back or something like that. And he reveals uh, subtly by saying that like he gave it away to somebody and he doesn't know where or when he put it. So the implication mm, seems so to be, be back gave, in time. Yeah, the implication is that he probably gave it to Aerostar, who's the time traveling luchador, and uh, yeah, either put it in the future or the past somewhere. I don't know, but the gauntlet seems to be out for the time being. Uh, Pentagon Junior kept the title, but at the end, uh, Antonio Cueto comes out and then tells him that in the next episode he's going to have to defend his title against Matanza. So we get into the second episode here. And we have a few other little things paying off from the first time around. So also, um, Mundo was in Aztec Warfare, and there were two different storylines that kind of are coming out of that. Uh, Ricky Mundo came down with this like weird doll thing. Mm-hmm. Is like weird, demented, gross doll, and he like put it in the corner of the ring when he came down. And then at some point, he got like tranced by it, and then turned on Mundo. Like, he tried to pin Mundo all of a sudden, after working with him, and then Mundo just kicked his ass and then pinned him. So, don't know what's going on with there, but then, a little bit later in the match, um, Cobra Moon, after Daga, her, like, new king guy, getting eliminated by Mundo, sent in Luchasaurus and a couple of her other guys to, like, fuck <laughs> up Johnny Mundo, so then he got eliminated from uh, Aztec Warfare. And then in the second episode, there was a, um, a bit with like Cover Moon out there because she was there was a, a medallion match 
for the Gift of the Gods. Okay, between, already, wow. They're really yeah. getting stuff going, like, right away. Yep. So, first medallion match was between uh, Al Dragon, Azteca, and then Drago. So, it was Dragon versus Dragon. Mm-hmm. And uh, to repay the Luchasaurus and her goons, like, eliminating him and whatnot from the Aztec Warfare, after the match, Johnny Mundo comes out, and then him and Taya attack Drago and Cobra Moon. And it looks like they might be trying to turn Mundo face. I'm not sure. Oh. Because there was definitely, like, a, a, a solid pop after, like, when they came out and they attacked him and stuff, like, or he attacked them. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. But there definitely seems to be, like, a feud brewing between uh, Worldwide Underground, whatever's left of them, versus uh, the Lizard People. So, we'll be getting that sort of tag team feud, because then also in the trios world, Dante Fox, I don't know if he's, like, what his situation is to why he wasn't there, but he wasn't there. And they said he was missing in action. So mm. they, they gave Killshot, because uh, Killshot, Dante, and Mac were the trio's champions at the end of Season 3. And yeah. so they just gave the one belt to Son of Havoc. Just because, I guess, he's been trio's champion before. So they were like, alright, whatever, here you go. <laughs> Here's so an extra belt. So he's the trio's champions now as well. Um, and then they, they had a defense on the second episode here. It was like, those guys defended against, um, oh my god, I'm totally fucking blanking now for a second. Oh, it was a uh, famous B. Famous mm. B came in with some new clients, <laughs> and uh, one of them you'll definitely recognize, Jake Strong, formerly known as Jack Swagger. Oh, I'd heard about that. Yeah, so Jack Swagger comes into the fold now in Lucha Underground as a client of Famous B, and uh, challenged for the trio's titles, but his teammates kind of like fucking lost the match for him. Actually, they put him over really strong because, like, he had, I think it was Killshot. I'm sure he had somebody in a, it was either Killshot or Son of Havoc, but he had somebody in the ankle lock and they were fucking tapping and the ref wasn't seeing it. And then Mac was coming in trying to fuck him up and he had to, like, hit him, like, four or five times just to be able to get him to release the ankle lock. Like, mm-hmm. clotheslining this motherfucker and he's still just got an ankle lock on it, dude. So, like, they really put him over. Uh, and then afterwards in the match, uh, the babyfaces were able to steal the win by pitting one of the other two guys uh, in infamous ink, is what the stable's called for famous people. Okay, nice. Uh, and then afterwards, Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Strong, just fucking killed both of his teammates. Because <laughs> he was like, you're both worthless pieces of shit. Uh, so yeah, looks like he's going to be uh, quite the force to be reckoned with. Potentially, I, wonder if, uh, I wonder if Dutch follows him. Mm. I would hope so. That'd be fucking awesome. Oh, dude, that that duo in Lucha Underground? Yeah. I would really pay to see that. Yeah. And then we get um, the main event of uh, Pentagon Dark defending the title against Matanza, who they talk about, you know, Matanza's, like, never been defeated in singles competition. Yeah, Specifically yeah. against Pentagon. He's beat Pentagon twice. So, you know, really built all that up, and then we get into the match, and then Pentagon finally is able to overcome Matanza. Bam. Beats him clean as a sheet. Retains the title. And then afterwards, Antonio Cueto's coming out, and then just, like, beats up his son a little bit. Yeah, beats up Matanza, like, whacks him with his cane. And, like, Matanza kind of cowers a bit. So, Mm. I don't know. It was very interesting. Just kind of, like, playing up more, like, the abuse angle and 
I, told, I think he said something like Dario was too soft on you. Ah, stuff so like the, that. The idea that Antonio is coming down harder on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know whether this is just gonna continue to be a thing, or if this is gonna be eventually like a like a weird face turn, like if Matanz is gonna turn on him at some point and that reveal could... that he's actually Dario. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That could be very interesting. Yeah, maybe that'd be like the only way he could stop him from killing him. Is it's like, wait, no, I'm not actually our dad. <laughs> I'm Dario. It's me. It, it was me, Matanza. It was me the whole time. Uh, like, there's so many things to. Oh, because like even the cane that Antonio Cueto has has like a bull on the top of it. Like in the same way that there was the bull statue mm. that uh, Dario Cueto would always have. Yeah. Like. I th- they know. I think they know that everybody knows. And they're fine mm. with it. They're just like, whatever. Well, yeah, that's a part of their storytelling mm. devices, I guess. Like, that's one of the things they're really good at. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it, it's the kind of promotion, too, where, like, we're already accepting. It's like, all right, we've got, like, undead people. we got magic gauntlets. we got, like, we got crazy shit going on here. So, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can fake <laughs> your own death and then come back just as your own father. That's fine. Like, at least there's some kind of explanation to why Dar- Dario isn't there. Like, it's not like WWE with Vince going into a exploding car and then just returning later. <laughs> All fine. Yeah. That's true. At least they, they try to they have, like, some sort of continuity. Like, even though their universe is insane, there's continuity within it. Yes. But their universe, their universe being insane allows for that kind of stuff right exactly but yeah it's a it's a strong start i'm excited for season four and uh i will yeah. i will try to fit that on my schedule now. <laughs> well if, if not you know i can i can fill you in which uh speaking of fill you in you went on some other things which i assume you've not caught up on uh new japan g1 climax is about to be starting soon yes i saw the lineup i need to pull that up again to remember everyone in it oh i know that no need i have done a little bit of nostradamus predictions slash slightly fantasy booking i've figured out this g1 climax joe all right hit me with it all right so how much how much do you want to know do you want to know i can tell you it just just hit me with everything I don't think you want everything, Joe, because I I had a little bit of extra time on one day when I really got to thinking about this. I literally put together, not on a spreadsheet, but writing it out, the result of what I think every single match is going to be in this G1 Climax. Every single one. I'll just okay, maybe, maybe we don't need to go that. <laughs> we don't need to go that level. But I'll tell you, I think because in A Block, we've got Okada in there. And yep. that's the big danger. And I am I am predicting a very, very rare feat. I don't know if it's actually ever been done. I think Okada's going to go clean sweep. I think he's beating everybody in his block. Okay. And I think there'd be a really great, interesting story to tell, you could tell here, right? Because, like, his title reign has ended. He is fucking pissed. He is not letting anything get between him and fucking regaining this title. So he is just on point. He's angry. He's determined. He kicks everybody's ass in A block. Mm-hmm. Over in B block, you've got Omega, you've got Naito, you've got Ibushi, you've got a lot of very interesting people in B block. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pick, and what I think is going to be the smartest decision, what they're going to do, 
is go with Naito winning B block. And it's going to be between him and Omega as like the top two point contenders in there. And I do think that Naito is going to get a win over Omega in the G1 Climax. Because I, th- okay. I think that the two people that I predict and I think would get wins over Omega were actually three. I have three that I think are going to happen. I think it's going to be Naito. I think Kota Ibushi because Kota Ibushi is also in B block. Yeah, that's the interesting part. Because there's so much of the history between them of like Ibushi always being the better one. So I think that they could still play into that. I think that'd be smart. Let Ibushi get a win over him. And maybe Tamatanga. That's the other one I threw in there as a kind of wild card to balance out the points. That would be a wild card. And I think it'd be very interesting potential as far as like the symbolism of like him taking over more of a bigger role in Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. Is if he's able to get that win over uh, Omega. Because so, he's yeah. basically the leader by now, right? Like... I don't know. It's very it's very in the air. Like is yeah. Kenny still the leader? Is Cody trying to be the leader? Is Tama the leader? I don't know. It's very mysterious. But despite that, I think Naito's gonna be the one that gets the win in this block in B block. So then you get the finals of Naito and Okada. So it's also very important specifically that Naito's gotten that win over Omega, right? Because if he's the one that wins the G one climax, then now he's already gotten a win over the guy who will likely be the IWGP champion at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, most likely. So then you go into the finals, and then I say you have Naito beat Okada in the finals, because then this avenges his loss at Wrestle Kingdom from this last year. Yeah, Shows that then he's ready to face Omega, and that in this tournament he beat Omega, so then he's got every reason in the world to think, I'm winning it this year, baby. Wrestle Kingdom 13... Naito's walking away with the title. You actually you think that, or are you saying or at least he's that would thinking be, that? At least that would be his thought process going in. Because mm. I would think that that would be a great fucking match to have is like Omega versus Naito. Because you can also even play into the fact that at this last WrestleMania, or not WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, they're really talking about and building this as like a co-main event between uh, the US title match and then the IWGP heavyweight title. Gotcha. So then Naito can be like, no, fuck you. It was not a co-main event. There was a single main event. I was the main event. Not you, Omega. No matter how good your fucking match was, you and Jericho were not the main event. Hmm. So then he can play into that frustration because then that also mounts on the frustration that he's had from his storyline when his main event got taken away. Like, it's genius. So I think Naito's winning the G1 Climax again. I like it. I especially like him avenging the the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like avenging that loss against Okada. I think that'd be big. Mm-hmm. And that'd be like that'd be a really big win too. Like if you win the G one climax against the Okada who just fucking came off this large ass title reign and then also just went undefeated in his block. Because the other guys in his block, he's got Suzuki in his block, he's got Tanahashi in his Hashi, block. Elgin, Jay mm-hmm. White, Evil, Bad Luck Folly, Hangman Page. Yeah. Toki Makaba, uh, Makabe. Yeah. Yeah. And Yoshihashi. Who. So, like. <laughs> I predict Yoshihashi's going to win zero. I think he's yeah, going to go on a straight losing streak. So, what? The first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guys that I named are like a tough competition. Mm hmm. Yeah. G1 like, Climax is no joke. Nope. But yeah, I, I'm pretty confident. I think Naito's walking away with this. I think that 
at least that booking, like even if not every single match that I've booked in this makes it, I think that at least that general format makes the most sense. At least like just watching what they're seeming to be doing and the the direction of their storytelling. Especially because one little note, you know, Mega's little speech after he won the title, one of the things that he specifically said when he was saying about how like, oh, you know, people always told me to be this or be that. One of the things that he specifically mentioned was that people told me to be tranquilo. So he was tranquilo. like, just that little tiny tease out there to Naito so that they could build on it later, I think. Definitely. New Japan's very good at that. They're they're good at their subtle hints and... Mm-hmm. And they're fucking awesomely hilarious when they do not-so-subtle things like uh, Hiromu and Mr. Belt. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I sent you a video of this a little bit earlier. And, what did you think? And Mr. Trophy. <laughs> and Mr. Trophy. <laughs> and Mr. Mr. Belt... Um... It's just about pointing out that it was his fault for what Naito did to him. Yeah, I just, I love this. This is hilarious stuff. Wait, how is it my fault? Well, you let him in the ring and you know how crazy he is. For those of you who are unenlightened to know what we're talking about, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, after winning the junior heavyweight title, he's been doing this gimmick where, I, I guess I don't know whether he did this before or not, but he's been doing it now, where he talks to the belt as if it's sentient. And also the trophy from the um, junior heavyweight title tournament. But he's the one, like, he, he leaves them on camera, walks off camera, and then voices the, what they're saying. Yes, exactly, like, as separate characters. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, don't pay attention to me. Just look at Beltson. Yeah. Let him talk. Oh, my God. I'm going to the back. Don't follow me. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's very funny and interesting, too, right? Because it's like he's very opposite of Naito. Like, he treats the belt with such respect that he thinks it's alive, and then Naito's just like, fuck this shit. I'll throw the belt around, I'll destroy it. So, I like that little parallel as well. Yes. But yeah, he's, he's definitely treating that belt with respect. Uh, just like, uh, you know what? What are, what are your thoughts on uh, Dolph Ziggler's thoughts on winning the Intercontinental title for the sixth time? Does he Do you think he's excited this time around? I think the fact that they've been pushing him uh, with Drew mm-hmm. is a good thing. Um, and so I think maybe he think, hey, I might get something out of this run. I mean, it was definitely a surprise. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. No, like that was definitely like a typical Ziggler thing to do, right? It's just like throw him in there to lose to a guy and make him look good yeah. and have a good match. But no, fuck, they gave him the belt. Because, like, out of the two matches that Seth Rollins had in that 24-hour period, mm-hmm. you had Elias, like, people actually thought Elias had a shot at maybe taking the belt off him because he's getting pretty hot. But then, mm-hmm. no, Seth Rollins beats him, and then it's Dolph Ziggler the next night that gets it, so. Yeah, and it's, it's very interesting, too, because, like, I feel like there's a couple different directions you could go with this, right? Because, like, and admittedly, uh, part of my... <laughs> Part of my alt-raw booking for this week is going to have Ziggler actually drop the title back to Rollins, which is maybe the direction they could go in it, right? Because this could just be, like, the catalyst they need to start the feud between these two. That, it's like, like a hot potato with the belt kind mm-hmm. of thing? Or? And I, would, I honestly, at this point, like, as far as out booking it, if we were going to do that at all, you just hot potato back to Rollins once right now, and then after that, Rollins keeps it through the feud. But it was just, okay. like, the once back and forth just to start the feud. 
So that's yeah, like, like, why do these guys have a problem with each other? Mm-hmm. They exchanged the title. That's the start. Right. It was like, oh, well, the problem is that Dolph Ziggler popped out of nowhere and stole the title from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I, I, so like, look, this is how much of a bone I'm trying to throw to WWE. In my fantasy booking, or my, not my fantasy booking, but I guess it is fantasy booking. Whatever. Anyway, Definitely fantasy My booking. better fantasy booking than their actual booking for Raw next week. I'm trying to help them get Roman Reigns over. Because Seth Rollins needs something to counter Drew McIntyre in this match, right? So have Roman Reigns be the guy that fucking takes out Drew McIntyre to even the odds. I mean, what else is Roman doing at this point? Roman is most over when he is either Dean or Seth Rollins' friend. Mm-hmm. So... Gotta give something and to help this guy out. Dean's out right now, so Seth it is. <laughs> so, Seth it is. Um, but then, forbidding that, you know, the other idea that could be very interesting is, you know, keep it on Ziggler here for a little bit. Drew keeps helping him keep the belt. And then eventually, Drew's like, you know what? Maybe I should be the Intercontinental Champion. Which, you know what it's a lot like? Mm. Sean and Diesel. <laughs> ah, Yes. Just like those people that we've already made the comparison from them. Hmm, it's like so obvious, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's the oh my Dolph God. is. Dude, WWE is just straight up trying to recreate the Attitude Era because we've got them doing Sean and Diesel, and then we've got Ronda Rousey Ron- doing Stone Cold. <laughs> oh, what what could Ronda do? Like, what and we've would got be Velveteen pirate- Dream being the new Gold Dust. Yes. Uh, what could Ronda drink? Instead of beer. Oh, well, you know what? WWE is all about choosing water, right? So maybe she could just chug water bottles. <laughs> she gets water bottles thrown to her. Smashes them. Yep. Oh, well, you know what? That that could be risky, though, because doesn't she wear a white top? Oh, she yeah. Get some accidental uh, wet t-shirt contests. Or, or Triple H going, hey, gimmick infringement. I do the water. <laughs> I do the water bottles. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you better not spit that out. Uh. <laughs> you better swallow it. Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, they're they're trying to. Well, you know what? They got rid of the next rock though, because that was Enzo. Oh god. All right. So wait, how long until we get Enzo and Casper Union on the independent scene? You know what? Enzo sent him that little message online that was like a "How you doing." Right after his oh, I didn't see that. Release got publicized. Yeah, I think it was a tweet that all it said was just "How you doing?" Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's nope. like a "fuck you," Cass, or if that's like a "Hey, maybe we should hook back up," Cass. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like you weren't too off in your joking text to me about why Cass was released. <laughs> yeah, he just fucking sucks. It sounds like it sounds like it was just a combination of a lot of things. It was. Uh, what he did to that little person a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which apparently like Vince told him not to do directly. Like he went to Vince and was like, "Hey, I want to do more than just big boot him in the face." And Vince was like, "No." And then he went out and didn't do that. <laughs> like yeah. the only way you can get away with that is if you're super over. And I'm sorry, big cast, but you're not. <laughs> no, what it's so fucking evidenced by the fact that like, all right, they gave you like two fucking pay-per-view matches and build in between it to have a fucking feud with Daniel Bryan. A returning Daniel. like A returning Daniel Bryan. It's not like Daniel Bryan's been wrestling all this time. Like, you were his first big feud back. Like... Yeah. And, like, the... If you can't have, like, a a great match with Daniel Bryan, then you fucking suck. Yeah. 
Daniel Bryan is oh da- here we go another attitude error. Daniel Bryan is Bret Hart. There you go. Daniel Bryan's Bret Hart. <laughs> mm-hmm. He fucking is too. He did the uh, the old Bret Hart counter to Samoa Joe uh... this week in, uh, <laughs> in the Gauntlet match. You're right. You're right. I think we're on to something here. Although you attitude know what, Gable, although Gable does that one too. From sure. time to time. Uh, then he's Owen. Yeah, exactly. They're, oh my god. <gasps> if they aren't going to fucking make American Alpha tag team again, could we please have Chad Gable and Daniel Bryan as a tag team? <laughs> oh my god, well, he fucking needs a tag team partner now. The Bloody yeah. Brothers have decided to fucking gang rape Daniel Bryan for some reason. So now he's got to yeah. go do get you, a new tag team partner. Do you think this is just like someone hired the Bludgeon Brothers to go after Daniel Bryan? I really hope it's not as stupid as just being like The Miz hired them. Mm-hmm. That's gonna suck. I really hope that you know what this could be the chance for Daniel Bryan to like give the rub he got like a long time ago. Because you know what he was over in a couple other things, but the thing that really solidified him as being over was Team Hell No. Yeah. So maybe he could get in a tag team here with somebody and just like give that rub and really put somebody else over. Mm-hmm. So I, who would you who would you cast as Daniel Bryan's new tag team partner? Hmm. I mean, Gable will definitely be a good good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, my only thing with Gable is, do you think the personalities will cover? Like, that's what really sold Team Hell No, right? Was mm-hmm. like how good Kane and Daniel Bryan were together in those in the ring and outside of the ring. True, but this this would be a different dynamic with Chad Gable, right? Because this would be instead of it being the clashing personalities of him and Kane, this would be like the student and mentor relationship. Mm. True, like true, taking true. him under his wing and uh yeah maybe even play off of like <laughs> there was the joke like a long time ago the one and only episode of smacking talk uh where daniel bryan revealed the secret that he is chad gable's father yes parody of the Angle, jason jordan thing yeah <laughs> so i think that'd be really cool to see them in kind of that like teacher student role definitely but yeah who else would be a good because like the problem is right the chad gable's mm. on raw so he'd have to get transferred over to smackdown but Hmm. Who who so on SmackDown? Sticking with someone on SmackDown. Who's kind of floundering right now on SmackDown? Who doesn't really have much going on? Ty Dillinger. Oh, that could be a good one. Team Yes Ten. <laughs> they come out doing Yes and Ten chants or something. I don't know. <laughs> that I mean that could work as the part of their gimmick, right? They can't agree on the the chant. <laughs> they can't agree Daniel on Bryan's. the chant. Daniel Bryan's doing the yeses, and Ty just keeps trying to do the tens, and like they try to fit it in and stuff like that. Ooh, um, yeah, like maybe like competing ego thing, and then maybe like, well, because like, all right, here's the question with Ty Dillinger, just to yeah. do a slight derailment. Like, what is Ty Dillinger's character supposed to be? He's supposed to be an arrogant guy who thinks that he's the perfect ten, right? So mm-hmm. if he sticks with that, um kind of gimmick that could be a good counter to Daniel Bryan's like the humble like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like he yeah, doesn't totally. not really very flashy whereas Ty could be like and so it could be the disagreements between that yeah actually you know maybe the way that, that could manifest too is like if they're going to be a tag team partner then maybe Drew or not Drew uh Ty Dillinger's trying to be like all right well you know we got to spruce you up Daniel Bryan if you're going to be my tag team partner I got to make you a 10 mm. and try to do like I'm trying to change you thing and then Daniel Bryan's like, no, this isn't my style. Like, I like to just have my beard and my simple wrestling clothes. Like, I don't want to have all this crazy shit, like cornrows and <laughs> sparkly jackets. 
comes starts coming out in like suits. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, maybe you could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who would be another good one? The, the odd couple. Those would be. Um, I have to look up the SmackDown roster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if you wanted to do just like a like a killer tag team, like if you put like him and AJ Styles together, that'd be a potential very interesting, just like dynamite, like mega powers, but the indie version. <laughs> like instead of Hulk and uh, Randy, you've got Daniel Bryan and AJ. <laughs> like I, I fucking love to see that as like a short run tag team, like maybe them for like a month or two together. If there was like some. Maybe like a, I don't know, Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura for some reason are teaming up. Hmm. Oh, you know who I want to see? Daniel Bryan and (laughs) R-Truth. Daniel Bryan and R-Truth? Yep. Hmm. What would would be the story there? What would you want to (laughs) see? Just R-Truth being goofy as fuck. R-Truth like not knowing how wrestling works? Yeah, and Daniel Bryan having to like walk him through everything. There you go. This could be like a whole new teacher and mentor thing, right? But it's yeah. like <laughs> you just have like a bunch of weird training montages of him trying to like teach our truth basic wrestling moves and he doesn't get it. He keeps thinking like it's a different kind of match, like Yep, exactly. <laughs> Alright, and then and then I have to like uh tie him up in the ropes, right? That's how I win the match. No, our truth, you don't tie him up in the ropes. You that, pin him. You have to pin him, not near the ropes. That breaks the pin. Oh, oh, okay, I got you, I got you. So then I'm just going to take him over here in the corner, I'm going to tie him up in the ropes, and then I'll win. No, god damn it, Archer. <laughs> you know what? Just beat the shit out of him. How about that? Can you do that? <laughs> and then, like, Archer snaps into, like, his TNA gimmick where he's, like, yeah. cutting the gangster promos. <laughs> oh, or, you know what? Here you go. I just figured it out, Joe. You tie in another storyline that's been going in on 205 Live. Because somebody over there has been claiming that they're the best technical wrestler in WWE. And that they've been wanting to go to SmackDown. You have TJP transfer in over to SmackDown. And then he's starting a little bit of a feud with Daniel Bryan about saying who's the best technical wrestler. But then because they're both so goddamn good at technical wrestling, there's like a weird respect that forms. But it's also like a rivalry at the same time. It's kind of like the, like, nobody can kill you but me sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep you alive long enough so that I can beat you. So then TJP can team up with Daniel Bryan to keep him alive against the Bludgeon Brothers because he wants to be able to beat Daniel Bryan and prove that he is the best technical wrestler. After I got one better for you. Bryan. Drew Gulak. Because then Daniel Ooh. Bryan Drew Gulak can compete over their submissions. Dang. I'd be down for that, too. Man, get Drew Gulak in there. I just fucking love Drew Gulak. Like, he he is a real amazing gem that's come out of 205 Live. Yeah, he needs to get moved up to the main roster soon. And actually, you know what? Just to delineate over 205 Live, one thing I did really like this week, I think Atami's starting to figure himself out. Like, I think he's starting to come to terms with the fact that he's a heel. Yes. In this company, and he's like, "All right, let's let's finally start running with that and work with that a little bit." Instead of him being like, "Oh, well, I guess I have to be a heel because for some reason I'm not getting over as a babyface," and I I don't know, I still don't really get why it didn't work, but it, I'm glad that he's getting better as a heel now. 
Mm-hmm. And now that he's won this match here, I don't know, maybe he could be uh, the next challenger here for Cedric Alexander. Yeah, possibly. And it looks like they're kind of pushing it, Tommy, I'll say, because um, uh, WWE announced this week they have a partnership with Noah, and they're sending him over there for one of their big shows. That's pretty fucking big news. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I wonder to what extent do you think this is them really starting to realize they need to take New Japan seriously as a threat? So they're starting I to think make more alliances over in Japan. I think it's they want to get a foothold over there, right? And they realize they can't do it on their own mm-hmm. because of New Japan. So get one of the, I mean, because Noah, I would say at this point, is the second biggest, right? I would assume so. I, I mean, I don't know numbers, but. Because yeah. all Japan is definitely not as big as it used to be. Right. They got Noah. I don't think Dragon Gate's even a thing anymore, so. Then there's our DDT. There's the... Is that in Japan? D- yes, it is. But I don't know what the status of that is. Yeah. And then you have the all-female all promotion. So, yeah, I'd say Noah's probably your... It's, it's up there, right? At least. It's definitely like up there to be notable. Yes, like if you, if you're going to compete with New Japan mm-hmm. by partnering up with somebody, Noah's the the promotion to do it with. Yeah, so that'd be really interesting to see. Just like, well, it's, it's very cool to see, right? Like more WWE is interconnecting more with other people. Like you know Noah with this, Adam Cole's been going around defending the title. Yeah, he's uh, going to go to evolve and stuff like that. And then now we've also got branching out the announcement of NXT UK. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big deal. You know, I assume Pete Dunne's UK title will be like the head of that, right? Yes. But yeah, that's exciting shit. So then I, I would assume if that's the model, then it's probably the plan when they continue to develop more territories around the world. Is it going to be like NXT fill in the blank of different areas? And then they all sort of like filter and funnel into the main roster of like Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live. And maybe eventually even a women's show. I don't know. Do you think eventually they'd split that off into its own show? I would think so. They're planning on doing another May Young Classic. Mm-hmm. Like coming up towards the end of the summer. So the fact that they did another British show, which is going to air this coming weekend, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's um, this weekend. So, I mean, it shows that they're interested in that. If they, they're doing this women's stuff again, it means they're looking at more women. So, totally, I could see a women's only show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really starting to to actually like put the, the expansion into place. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. We'll see what happens with it, right? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've definitely been like, Doing little by little, right, to, like, bring in and introduce some of these UK talents. So we've seen at least, like, enough people that you could see that there's, like, a base that they could make a show out of this. Because you've got, like, mm-hmm. Pete Dunne, you've got Mustache Mountain, who now actually are the NXT Tag Team Champions. Spoiler alert. Yes. Um, but I assume they're probably going to be short-lived, and maybe they'll go back over to, like, the UK show. we got, like, Tony Storm from, like, the women's division. You got a lot of these other new guys from like this secondary UK tournament. I wonder if at some point they wouldn't take somebody like Finn Balor if he's like not doing as well if they as they thought on the main roster and be like, you know what? Why don't you go over to the UK division for a little bit? 
I mean, even non like UK guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, shit. Treat it. Yeah, bring up Drew Gulak again. He was in that tournament. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Drew Gulak would like go over to NXT UK for a little bit, for example. Yeah, have like Danny Birch uh, and Oni Lorcan go over. You know what? Actually, be a really kind of cool way to do it eventually, especially if there's like several different territories like this. Is maybe they could have like a very open giant draft, kind of like how the NFL does it, where like all sorts of different teams are coming in and picking people. Yeah, so you just have like all the different GMs come, and then it's like you're pulling people from all different shows and mixing they have shit to, like, around. Call <laughs> in their picks. It's like with the twenty fifth pick of the draft. Yeah, <laughs> NXT selects Adam Cole. <laughs> Baby. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. I'd be down to see that some shit like that. I mean, they're all about <clears throat> going bigger and bringing more eyes to them. A big event like that could be it. Totally. Although, you know what's really not going to draw them any eyes, Joe? And I say this very confidently. What is that? Them deciding to turn Jinder Mahal back into a religious zealot for some reason. Because as unover as Jinder Mahal has been in this last run, the modern day Maharaja is still a lot more over than the shit they were doing before he was a modern day Maharaja. Because do you remember what his gimmick was when they brought him back before they gave him the, the Singh brothers and shit like that? Uh, yes, kind of, I think. Because it was basically this. He would come out, and he would say some sort of shit about how he's got, like, inner peace and tranquility, and then say Shanti, and then beat people up. Mm-hmm. And unsurprisingly, nobody gave a fuck. Yeah, like, I don't right now. And now they're just going back to this fucking well. Like, what is going on? I I think they just don't know what else to do with him, so they're just trying anything. I guess they figure it's like, oh, we may want... Having him lose to Roman Reigns didn't work. So, I don't know. I guess we'll do this shit. <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm trying to remember. Is Sunil Singh? That's the one that's still with him, right? That's, like, injured? Is he still so. supposed to be injured? Yes, I think so. If they really want to do something kind of funny with this weird religious spiritual shit angle... They should have him be, like, a weird faith healer and then, like, heal Sunil Singh or something. And then start, like, I don't know, saying some sort of shit about how he can, like, do that to other people. Hmm. Like, at least that would be something. But this is just... I don't know. Like, it's... it's, The fucking worst part about it is, like, other than it being completely uncreative, is that it's just so basically xenophobic. Is then the idea is what we're just supposed to not like this guy because he's a different religion than most of the people watching this show? That's pretty fucked. I I just think they're just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's funny that like they feel like they can get away with something like that, but then like anytime they do anything like minorly racist or sexist or whatever, they start freaking out. But then yeah. like, oh, but you know, whatever, we can make fun of Hindus. And do this shit. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just silliness. Just like the uh, B team, like parodying the deleters. Oh my god. Well, you know what I enjoyed about that was Bo Dallas impersonating his brother. That was hilarious. And you could tell that Bray was having a great time with it. Yep, definitely. 
wonder if he said backstage, like, this is the biggest push you've ever gotten. Yeah, really. Impersonating me is the biggest push you've ever gotten. <laughs> That's so sad. But true. And what else is sad but true is that Sasha Banks is done with Bailey. Fucking finally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's... Like... It, yeah. This feud has just been so weird with, like... I don't know. Have you ever, like, been mad at a friend and then forgiven them? Mad at a friend, forgiven them? And, like, just kept going back and forth and then finally went, you know what, I'm done. Like... You know, I feel like less less with actual friends, but more so with, like, girlfriends. Okay. Like, this, this feels to me just like a messy breakup. Yeah. It's like they keep realizing that they're not good for each other and they're trying to break up, but then it's like, but we're, we've been together forever and we're, like, best friends. So then they try to, like, get together for a little bit until they fucking piss each other off again, and then it's like, all right, can you two just fucking break up and move on? Yeah. everyone then, else is tired of it yeah and then Sasha was I guess now finally tired of it but like it's hard to fully believe it right because like they've beat each other up and said that they were done before before yes so maybe it'll stick this time maybe from a timing perspective it almost couldn't be better right because like if you build this up really intensely right now we have extreme rules coming up perfect do an extreme rules match or something that's perfect for grudges. Except Bailey doesn't do well in extreme rules matches. That's true. You know what? But maybe Sasha could like tease her about that and remind her about how it's like, you know what? Remember last time you tried to go extreme Bailey and then you got butchered by Alexa Bliss and lost even though she clearly got herself disqualified in that match and it made no sense. And then maybe this could be like Bailey finally fucking snaps. All the pent up aggression for all the. It's like um, do you see the movie um, uh, Anger Management? Uh, years ago. There's a there's a part in the beginning where uh, Jack Nicholson's talking about what he says is like the two types of angry people. There's the person who at the grocery store yells at the cashier because they didn't take their coupons because they're like expired or something like that, who just explodes. And then there's the cashier who just takes the shit day in day out. For years. And then someday comes in with an AK-47 and kills everybody in the store. That's Bailey. <laughs> Bailey's just been taking this shit for years and years. And then this just could be... building up. Exactly. Build up, pent up aggression. She's like, alright. Bam. Time to kill Sasha. And just like, go nuts. That would actually... That would be great because that would be an evolution of her character. And one that made sense. And maybe she finally, can be like kind of finally horrified. something that makes sense. Yeah, but finally, something. Just give her something, damn it. Like it's it's almost crazy because like just think about that. Like what two years ago or something like that when Bailey came up to the main roster, she was so over it was like almost inconceivable that they were gonna fuck this up. People were calling her basically like the female like Stone Cold. Basically, I heard a lot of people calling her the female Cena. Yeah, female Cena, that's what I was thinking of. And it's like, they were right. But then WWE fucked it so bad. <laughs> then the main roster writers got on. Yeah, it, it's actually really funny. I remember, there was, um, I think this was on Wrestling Soup, but I'm not 100% sure. Somebody was saying that 
do you think that because they were noticing a certain pattern i think it's a little bit true that in in nxt there's like a definite cool off for like everybody's like character arc that when you win the nxt title you seem to cool off just like a little bit Mm -hmm. and he was saying that you know what i think that's like the audience is just smart enough and they realize what's going on now that like it's a it's like a situation where like you're sitting there you know your pet's going to be dying soon because they're old and sick and you're going to have to put them down and it's like you're just trying to enjoy that last little bit of life with them but you know that soon they're going to be dead because with the nxt championship right once you drop that shit you're always going up to the main roster and then you're never the same ever again like they just kill you (laughs) And they were never heard from again. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's so fucking true. That makes me sad. Because now it's like, yeah, I'm just looking at Aleister Black and it's like, oh no. Aleister Black. You're so cool right now. No. They're going to turn you into some, like, really cheap, bad gangrel knockoff. No. That's actually funny because he was on the Edge and Christian show this week. (laughs) Really? Yeah, they had a bird reunion. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, Gangrel, okay. For a second, I thought you were talking about Aleister Black on, uh... Uh, he was on, uh, months ago on the Edge and Christian show. Let's see. Man, we have really talked about a lot of fucking wrestling this week. Yeah. You know what? One more thought for you. Unless you've got something else. Nah, what did hit you, me with it. What did you think of Rusev winning the gauntlet match? That was pretty Loved exciting, it. and I did I not expect was it. Not, was not expected. I, were you thinking Daniel Bryan? No, I thought Samoa Joe, to be honest. Oh, okay. I was thinking Daniel Bryan. Because um, I figured Daniel Bryan and Miz were going to start going at it now. Yeah, that's why I'm interested to see how this whole uh, brothers thing works out. Yeah, the uh, Bludgeon brothers. Bludgeon. I could not think of that. <laughs> You know, the brothers. You know them brothers with the hammers. Not the good brothers. <laughs> Not the good brothers. Uh, yeah, so the... Interested to see how the Bludgeon Brothers thing shakes out. But yeah, when I saw... And he won in a really great way. Like, it really puts him over. It doesn't harm Daniel at all. So, mm-hmm. great win. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, the only thing that has me, like, slightly nervous about it is, just, like, just after, like, Cass getting fired... There's a part of me that's scared that's like, is this like a last test for Rusev to be like, all right, buddy, like we're going to give you the big shot, so it's it's now or never? Or is this like a situation of them like, I don't know, for some reason they're getting rid of him and they're like, let's feed him to the champion first? I don't think they're getting rid of him. Like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't think so either because I, I feel like Rusev's doing a good job. Especially like, I feel like the last, how long has it been now with Rusev Day? Like, a couple months, I guess, at least. A couple months. But even beyond that, like, there's been no rumors or anything like that of Rusev being, like, hard to work with backstage or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, that had just been piling on Cass. So, yeah, I think that's that was his downfall. Yeah, and I'd heard, too, that one of the rumors, I guess, that had led to his release was that I think this was, like, uh, when they were on the, the tour in Europe or something like that, he um, got, like, locked in the bathroom on the tour bus, but then, like, broke the door to get out, so, like, everybody else was, like, forced to have to fucking take, you know, go to the bathroom on the fucking no door. Yeah. So. I, I would fire that guy, too. Well, here, you know what, no, you know what, 
here's my fucking question about that whole situation. They have so much goddamn money. Couldn't they fix the fucking door? Or get another fucking bus? Like, how was that... How was that... How were they stuck with that? Probably because they, like, maybe according to the... It all depends on the company that they're renting from these buses, right? Like, it's not like they're WWE. Don't force all these people to be stuck in a bus with no door in the goddamn bathroom. That's savage. That's subhuman. Especially when they they, WWE has the money. They did not have to do that. I still blame Cass for it. Well, I mean, clearly Cass shouldn't have fucking broken the door. But, like... I don't know, at the same time, like, if if then you're saying, like, oh, well, then we had to also go the whole rest of the tour without a door on the bathroom. It's like, oh, I don't think it was the you? rest of the tour. I think it was just that trip that they were on at the time. Oh, just that one. And maybe everybody yeah. took some real stinky shits on that one. That yeah. one go. <laughs> so, so that it's all Cass's fault. <laughs> hey, I don't know about their rules, but when I go on bus trips with the uh, Philadelphia Union, the biggest role on the bus is no shit, so... <laughs> No shitting on the bus. Exactly. You know what? That seems like an appropriate time to sign off for this week, right? Yeah, theme of this week, everybody. No shitting on the bus. Don't shit on the bus. WWE will fire your ass. Yeah. <laughs> if you shit on the bus. <laughs> Alright, so that's gonna do it for us for this shit this week. <laughs> yeah. Hey! Hey! Uh, find us on social media and check us out everywhere. Basically, podcasts are available rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs>